You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Welcome to the show. The interview subject I've got coming up for you is the one and only Crystal Ignite. She's big news in the United States at the moment. She's had a number one single on one of the charts over there for a number of weeks. We talk all about that, which is more or less the catalyst alongside of the new single, Heed, A Call for Unity, is the name of that one. I actually did catch up with her back in May of 2020 when she released a single, Black Mamba, but the timing just wasn't quite right. So we've reconvened, and this is a superb conversation. Something else, Crystal is a survivor of childhood abuse, and she talks about that on this episode as well. So here she is, Crystal Ignite. Lee told me you've been number one with a bullet in New Jersey now for 10 weeks. Tell me about this story. How did this happen? Oh, is it fan-driven? Fan <laughs> um, it was Black Mamba did the maximum that they could possibly do, which was 20 weeks straight debuting at number one uh, by fan vote. So, And I, I've, I've broken the record for a, a whole heap of records <laughs> with it, which was amazing. Um, yeah, I won't run through all the different things, but it was absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I've got an amazing su- support base who – get behind me and believe in me. So I'm really, really grateful for that. But Heed is now out and that's done four weeks straight. Um, so I've just won another week. So it would be pretty cool if I could do, because I was the only band in, in history to do 20 weeks at number Oh, Was I the only one that did it 20 weeks at number one? I'm pretty sure. And then I've got the um, the best, oh, what was it? best song or whatever of the year or, yep. or whatever it was from them as well, which was amazing. And yeah, they're, they're awesome. That uh, radio station, it's really good because they've become more and more um, powerful over the years, which is really, really cool as well. And yeah, Mike is incredible and he is connecting me with a few people that are going to help me in my journey. Cause I want to get back to America again. I've got an O1 visa. So um, it's easy for me to re get that reissued as well. Once you get it, it's a really difficult visa to get. It's as hard as a green card to get. It's like a green card. Um, and I, I really want to get back to, to LA, but I want to keep my, also keep my roots in Australia as well. So, you know, not, not just go over there and forget about Aussie, but um, yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll be working in Australia, you know, for the, however long until we're allowed to leave and go over the US. But I definitely want to go over there again, and because there actually is, LA gets a really bad rap, and I understand why. But I have to say, I lived there for three years, and you just don't go to the places that are the, you know, like, yeah. you know, dodgy areas and that. The, the beautiful places, there are amazing places like Laguna Beach and Dana Point are incredible uh, venus beach sorry not venus venice yeah. <laughs> um venice beach absolutely awesome and yeah there's there are really beautiful areas as well really amazing um spots so yeah you know i um i, I definitely keen to get back there when all this madness is over which i'm sure <laughs> it, it, it will in time maybe next year or the year after <laughs> we'll see i don't think this year <laughs> that's oh, look, all i'll say yeah, agreed too, by the way. But look, I don't think any Australian musician in particular would uh, would would have anything against a strategy for saying that you, you seek success in the United States. And if you've lived over there and yeah. if you've naturally got some fan support over there, I mean, 20 weeks straight at number one on any yeah. chart is a miraculous achievement if you're from there or not. But the fact that you're an Australian artist and you don't have a presence over there and it's on the strength of the music that you're releasing, Imagine if you had a promotional team behind you, what you could achieve. 
Well, it's interesting. That's what I've been chatting without going into too much details. But, yeah, Mike's going to connect me with some so, someone who would be amazing to work with and stuff like that. So the, the wheels are in motion, and that's definitely my goal. And the reason being for me is that it, it, it what people don't understand unless you've been there, but if you are in America, you know, you can actually make a living off music over there because it's so big and there's so many places to go to. You can play five, six nights a week. And the fans there, they are really – not that Aussie fans are incredible as well. It's just different over there because they're so they, – they know bands that are on the road, like that's their bread and butter. And so they will make sure every – you know, well, lots of people buy merch because they know that that's the band's – bread and butter and so people yeah. spend more on merch over there and stuff as well like one show like we played some big shows um you know but you get a mixed bag when you're paying five six nights a week and one show we played there was only like i don't know about eight people in the room and we made 500 bucks on merch because they loved it they'll support you if if you put on a good live show they're all about the live show they don't give a shit what genre you are like there's none of this like in australia because it's like smaller or whatever there's all these like niche genres and things and I found that quite interesting because I never quite felt like I 100% fit in with Australia my sounds very American um in a lot of respects and they loved it over there and they appreciated it over there whereas you know like I'm talking about my last project um but you know on Spotify um yeah my my number one fan base is the United States um Australia's up there too um in the top top four or five but yeah it's us uk germany like germany's always up there yeah. and and yeah and top cities is yeah i think number one was one of i can't remember somewhere in us and actually sydney's my highest australian one i think it's like somewhere in the top top seven cities or something like that <laughs> yeah so it's really good but spotify's gone really really amazing for me i've been put on a few different lists and stuff like that um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I actually forgot to submit. It's so bad, but I forgot to submit <laughs> my song to the editorial list uh, this time. But next time, I might. Make, you never know. I might make them Spotify because I've got really good stats and stuff. It's done well. I've only had two singles out. I, I couldn't be happier in that respect. It, it has done well for itself. So um, yeah, that's really good. So that's Black Mamba you're talking about, and this new single, Heed. Has there been an official launch launch for that in the United States yet? Um, it's just, it's just out on Spotify and whatnot. And, you know, the, the, um, video, um, on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah, like, um, yeah, it's done really well. It's done equally as well so far. Um, you know, Mumba's, Black Mumba's been out for nine months or so. Um, Heed's only been out for a month, but it's doing really, really great and getting some great feedback. And a few people want to use the, you know, song or the video for different things. I was actually approached by a political party who wanted to use Heat as well, which I'm going to get back to them soon and because um, they loved what the message was about. And, yeah, so, no, it's doing really well. And I think I'm just going to continue releasing singles. Um, I feel like in this climate it's not really the best time to release an album. Um, so for now I'm just going to release singles which is great because it means every two three months another singles out there i'll probably do you know at least for the next you know three four more i'll do um music videos with it as well so it's great because i can actually you know really start establishing my sound and um you know getting it out there and yeah bit by bit so yeah i'm excited about that so the album though you mentioned it there infinite alchemy i believe is the, is that the still the intended name of the album or are you going to go in a yeah. different direction do you think yeah, no, definitely, definitely. 
And it's, is it more or less done at the moment and you're just sort of cherry-picking singles from it or can you tell me what's going on? I've got like five, six singles up my sleeve. I've just got to record them and I've been really fussy. I've been trying a few different guitarists because, you know, one one guitarist that might work for one song, you know, there's another one that I know that will work well for this other one because it's more their jam. So, you know, I'm revisiting a, a few different people that I've worked with before who I love, who are really talented um and so yeah that's that's sort of what I'm doing there but I've got five six singles up my sleeve I had more than that but I'm being really fussy um so you know it's got to be all killer no filler and since it might be that you know I wait until next year to release it because that's the thing it's out of our control what's happening in the world and I there's so much love going into this music that I'm not going to release an album I'll release singles no worries but I'm not going to release an album when People are so distracted with everything else. I'd rather just keep doing singles, keep getting out, the, you know, these messages and, and, and you know, getting to release what's inside of me as well. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of the, the line of thinking, but definitely going to keep it at infinite alchemy as well. So, yeah, very exciting. So Black Mumba and He, they've got – there's a lot happening in both tracks, but they're different. They've got their own u- unique take on the sort of music that you want to bring to people. But – the key characteristic that jumps out to me is that they do sound original, but to sound original these days, you've got to put in probably even potentially hundreds of hours of work to make it sound that way. So can you talk yeah. to me about how you build a build a song from scratch? Yeah, absolutely. Every song's different. So I'm actually starting to, I'm doing more, um, I'm finally learning theory because everything I've done is by ear. I'm one of the lucky ones. In a way, I'm lucky because you know, everything, I just know, I, I was just born knowing what, what um, notes, you know, fit in key and in, in a scale or whatever, just by, um, by ear. So I can just hear it, um, which is awesome. So I haven't needed theory to write at all. However, because I'm producing the music, it's easier for me to know theory so that I can explain to other musicians what I mean in terminology that they you know, work with. And so I'm, I'm learning theory um, and I'm getting back on my keyboard and stuff so that I can write, you know, I'll write more of the base of the song, like the verse, chorus, whatever, and then take it to someone. But it really depends. You know, he'd, I loved one tiny section of the pre-chorus that Michael had done and, uh, yeah, went from there and then I produced the track and, you know, changed. It was just that section. It's often it'll be one little section that I really like that someone's done um, but I don't feel like for me the rest of it matched and I'll, you know, help to create the song and so I'll write the vocal and then say, look, can you try something else for the chorus because it's not going where I need the vocals to go and, you know, try something else with this kind of mood for the verses. And so often, you know, with, with that song, for instance, there was like four different choruses, um, m- you know, musically before I was happy with it um, for the vocals and, the, you know, the verse had, you know, three different takes and the pre-chorus had a couple because it you know had to change or whatever you know as it built in in, you know and in the second pre-chorus so you know for instance that's what happened there um black mamba on the other hand came from a vocal and um and there was also there was a bit of electronics that was written over another song that for me it didn't work on that song but i liked that electronic and so brought it over to the new song and worked with that um, but the vocals really led the way with that. I, I started it writing with Chris and just, yeah, the vocals were just coming to me. And so he was just writing his guitar around the vocals. So often it can just be like 
four chords that I have to work with. And like one of the songs that I'm doing, somebody sent me just, a, it was three chords on repeat. And I wrote a verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and bridge. So I basically wrote the nice. entire nice. song with those because once once I get one little piece and it, 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 it fits in, it just it writes itself like vocally for me. It just flows, which is awesome. And I'm in a good place. So, you know, I really believe, you know, musicians channel. And um, for me, I'm just in a really great high vibrational kind of state despite what's going on out in the world, and that's because I meditate and I work with my crystals and stuff, so I'm not letting what's going on outside, you know, because, like, we can let that stuff really torture us, and it's not going to help us to have mental health issues and stuff like that, you know. Like, it's not it's not a positive thing. It's not an ignorant thing to go, okay, everything is absolutely terrible out there, but I don't have to let this absolutely destroy my whole entire life, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, like, what an awful way to live. So, you know, and I, I – but I became an expert at being able to, you know, uh, this is nothing compared to what I went through because of the child abuse and stuff that I've survived. It, what is going on out in the world for me, I'm not I'm not trivialising it. It's intense, but people need to understand with me, I had the most horrific background. So, like, this, the, what I had to go through and overcome there has, has given me a great advantage to be able to find a way to separate myself from everything that's going on and separate – like I've had to set. I've moved back from social media. I really don't want to put myself in that. And ha- people are just being really awful to each other. It's absolutely disgusting, actually. And I don't want to. I don't want to part in it. I, I, it's quite. Um, people have been really beautiful as well, but particularly like Facebook. It's really. Oh, it's just a cesspit at the moment. Just bullies. It's terrible. And this bully culture and people aren't even aware that they're doing it. I think it's just because they think it's okay because the. The, the media is doing it as well. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, it's like uh... monkey see, monkey do, it feels like, you know, and it's terrible. People need to remember their own moral compass. Just because, you know, people are like outlets and things are mocking different people or whatever doesn't mean you need to do it. Like, yeah, so it's been a bit of a volatile. Um, and so, I, look, I just wanted to tap out. I thought, you know what, I've never been interested in I'm, – I'm interested in changing the world and, and, and doing things to help with child abuse and, and awareness and things like that, but – in terms of politics and all of that kind of stuff, I, you know, I got I got involved in it for a bit there, and I thought, no, you know, what, I, I'm going to tap out of this because it's not, it's 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 unhealthy, and I'm, I was finding myself on the phone all the time and looking, for, you know, then you just yeah. become addicted to this freaking yeah. thing that actually makes you feel like shit if you're on it for too long, energetically, the phone and that. People are spending so much time on these things, and it's draining your energy out, you know. So we spend more time connecting with nature. Um, and I, I realized what is the world lacking right now, and that is unity consciousness, and that's what I want to put out there. So my song, you know, I, I tried very much to stay out of the politics. I still put in there, you know, what I've observed of what's going on, um, but what I believe is, you know, the answer here, and it's just to remember our connection to Mother Earth. That's what it's about. It's like the lyrics are, can you hear her, hear her calling out, when united we heal, heed her calling. And can you feel the calling in your hearts? Tell me why do you fear the system falling down? Because this system does not work. It doesn't matter what side of the policy. This is the thing. You don't have to be attached to any narrative. You can literally sit. It's what people need to understand. You don't have to be one or the other or whatever. You can you can walk a middle ground and be an observer and, and you know, be open to all perspectives because you can't possibly think you have the right perspective if you only 
listen to one perspective. It doesn't make sense. You have to understand all perspective. That's why how I got the opinions that I did. You know, first I was really very much, you know, in alignment with one way of thinking that was more mainstream. And then the more I looked into other things, I was like, I, I challenged my own um, perception of what was happening as well. And I just came to the conclusion I need to be open-minded. I don't have to attach to a narrative. I can sit in a walk a middle ground and and um, just be an observer. And I don't need to be angry at people for having a different um, uh, perspective. And I'm seeing a lot of that. That's really dangerous. That's like really messed up people like shutting people down, you know, and only accepting one. Like we're such a diverse species and how can you possibly think that it's healthy for us as a collective to just have one way of thinking, you know, it, that's, it's, it's wrong. You know, people are individual and we all have different backgrounds. We have different reasons why we believe the things that we do. For me, I'm a child abuse survivor. So the things that I believe, the reason I believe them is because of the things that I've gone through as a kid and what I know about the world, and I'm realistic about the world, unlike a lot of other people, because they haven't had the experience that I have had or seen the things that I have and or met the people that I have who have also experienced really abhorrent things. And, you know, it's um, it's terrible that people are, you know, it's like someone like me. I, I think my voice, you know, for speaking, I, I can't, I can't speak the complete truth of everything that I feel that I want to say in this climate right now, because quite frankly, I got bullied at school and I don't want to put myself on a platform to be ripped to, to shreds by people, you know, that are triggering me and then I'm coming from a perspective of trying to help people understand that certain beliefs that you have or things that you're doing you're mocking people for instance talking about child abuse conspiracies how dangerous that is to mock people and and immediately strike it out as being not true and a tinfoil hat wearer you know because the thing is with that we're not talking about you know theories like flat earth and things like that we're talking about kids getting abused raped you know, and if you start immediately going, you know, um, writing things off when you've seen, we've seen with the stuff that's happened on the global stage with the likes of, you know, like I won't say the names, but, you know, the billionaire in the aeroplane and, you know, the, his associate who was driving children with a submarine licence, driving them um, under, uh, in, under the water, you know, like to, to traffic these kids. You know, if, if, if we can't by now understand that this stuff that's gone on, is you know it's 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 abhorrent and it happens and we cannot knowing these things ever ever strike something out as being untrue without 100% inequivocal evidence that it is not true what you're doing as a survivor this is what i have to say that what you're doing if you're mocking people who are bringing that these things up and trying to alert you of it which a lot of the people who are doing it are abuse survivors i might say you're telling them that this is no, this is not a safe place. You are not, you, you are not going to be believed if you bring up your. Because my story, what happened to me was, it, it, they're all conspiracies. You know what I mean? Every child abuse story is unbelievable. The lengths that these people go to to harm children is unbelievable. And by now we should know with the things, the revelations that have come forward. You know, so my argument is, is that you know that I know because I'm an expert in this topic, is that. We, we can never, ever do things like mock uh, people for doing that because you're telling survivors that you will not be believed. And part of the, the, one of the most integral parts of the healing process, and I can say that as a healed survivor, is speaking up about it. So if you make, create a climate where 
abuse survivors can't speak about it or try and tell you that this stuff is going on, then what you're doing is you're you're unknowingly, because I understand that people don't realise that they're doing this, which is why people like me need to speak about it so that you can hear it, because there's not many of us. There's not many healed survivors who have gone through what I can have and can speak about it because it's, it's, it's triggering and it brings up trauma if you're not healed. Um, it, it, but people need to understand that you, you create what you're doing is creating an environment where um, you're, you're depriving the survivor of that integral part of one of the later stages of their healing process, which and one of the most important, which is speaking about it. Because part of the abuse is that we have our voices taken away by the abuser. You're not allowed to speak. You know, you know, don't effing bring bring this up or I'll kill you. They're the kinds that you, as a child you get threatened with that stuff. So this is what people people need to educate themselves and understand this and need to listen to survivors, um, you know, healed survivors. Um, listen to people that are survivors that aren't healed for to understand what, what they go through. But if you want to know how to fix the problem, you've got to listen to the healed survivors because they've healed what's happened to them and they know what they can say to you, to you so that you can be an ally to, to survivors because they know how they healed it and you know, what I've said here is really, really important. So, yeah, it's been an interesting interesting time for me. It was challenging last year because as a survivor, seeing all the survivors having being completely shut down from trying to speak up about things, um, and it, for me, I was as well, even by other survivors who were really not healed at all, who, you know, um, but not many. Most survivors are all, you know, but everyone deals with it differently, but most, most survivors were all, you know, like, in arms together, but um, that was really challenging and I had to really, really go within and really withdraw, you know, and really and look after myself and my own mental health and make sure that I didn't let it affect me because there were triggers that were coming up for me. I had massive things that I didn't realise that were still unhealed, um, which I've, I've healed now, but to do with, um, you know, not, not, being, not being believed, you know, and that's what happened to me as a kid. No one believed me. You know, I tried to come out and, and no one believed me. And, uh, you know, pe people that should have been there for me, none of them were there for me. Um, and, and that's exactly what's happened in the, on the world stage. And, and that's been really, really sad to see. But I am just, you know, focusing on, you know, I'm an optimist and I'm focusing on all the beautiful things that I can and the positive things that I can and what I can do you know, um, to help and I, I've come to the conclusion that it's just I'm just going to keep being a voice for unity consciousness and that's what the, the single heed is about. Wow. Where do I go from there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so on my list of questions, I guess I need to ask you, Ben, after surviving what you've had to and, and becoming empowered in the process to be a uh, truth bearer, what role does music play in that in that journey for you? Well, music was one of the first, you know, avenues that I took to heal myself. It was a way of opening the throat. And it's interesting that I became a singer because it was having your voice taken away, one of the best ways. You know, abuse survivors, their throat chakra is completely shut down because they've been maimed, you know, they've been muted and they've had their voice taken away. So the best way for me to activate that was singing, you know. And so I wrote about it and it was a way of healing. And when I started, I wrote really angry stuff, really angry stuff and about 
experiences that I had and just, you know, the violence that I experienced as a kid and, and, and the abuse and stuff. And, you know, but um, as time, you know, went on um, and as I healed, I, you know, was able to write stuff that was more healing. So whilst I do touch on those topics, I come from a healed perspective and so it's more I get to share the the, the journey and the knowledge I've learned about healing and, and, and instead inspire people to become, um, you know, to, to, to work on their stuff and to heal. So that's, yeah, it's been an integral part of the journey and will continue to be. And I think that's well, true of a lot of musos. You know, it's cathartic. I think we've all got something to say as musicians, no matter who we are. I think it was, who was it that said it was it was B.B. King or John Lee Hooker, one of the two, said that, He's got all the money in the world these days. He said this decades ago, so, you know, when he was alive, one of the two of them was alive, but had all the money in the world, don't need for too much, but every time he straps on that guitar, he's right back to where he was when he first started playing the blues and he could channel almost how he felt back in those days because it is a feeling, it is an emotion. You are channeling, I think, and you might have mentioned that throughout your uh, through, through your response to some of the earlier questions there, but mm. I think that, I think that what I'm taking from you moving forward is the sky's the limit. That for you, especially if you're connected to the United States, there's no bigger market than the United States. It's what we as Australians, I know we love Europe and and there's a burgeoning market there in South America too, but America, it's, it's English speaking. Um, it's kind of similar to Australia, but if you've already lived there for three years, I mean, the world's your oyster in that regard. So, you know, this album here, Infinite Alchemy, once it's, once, once you're ready to release it, once we get through all this bullshit and people's attention spans potentially have uh, broadened just a little, except for focusing mm. on what the next catastrophe is or or mm. potentially even going to be. You know, these days m- most people are just dealing with their catastrophizing. They're not necessarily dealing with the actual mm. thing that's in front of them. They're dealing with the what mm. can happen to them and trying to, uh, which is understandable. They're in yeah. fear, yeah, and they're, they're trying mm. to mitigate risks that may not even be there. But I think part of that issue there is that we've seen the, rise of the Spotify's and the Apple Music. And it's got a big to do with them is that they create playlists, which I guess has empowered some artists. I get that. But albums, especially with the sort of music that you're producing and by courtesy of your bio, I'll share with people that you're building stadium-sized rock-laced music with pulsating pulsating electronica and deep, heavy grooves. That's about right. That's certainly about right. And I think from the last conversation we had that I mentioned, uh, you were fairly similar to uh, Amy Lee's group. Sorry, any other time I'd... Be able to remember what her group's called. Sorry, Amy oh, Lee. Evanescence. What's Evanescence guy? It was <laughs> on the tip of my tongue, but it's it's but it's beyond that. It's far beyond that. That's just a reference point because I do that on the podcast. I yeah, give yeah. that reference point for the listener because I don't play the music, but because I want people to discover it. I'll just talk about this for a sec. I want people to discover the music for themselves. I want people to be sufficiently intrigued and then go, I want to listen to what this sounds like after listening. Because that's to be too easy for me to put the music on the podcast, but. It's, um, I think I want to try and drive traffic, I want to try and drive people over to where you are on your socials. I know the so, the Facebook thing, yeah, it's shit. Twitter's even far worse, to be honest with you. But um, mm. just before, I know you've got to go to your next interview, but before I let you go, these two singles, they're out now. They're obviously on Spotify. They're on, I know they're on Apple Music because that's where I can see them. But if people mm. want to support you, to your, to your point earlier, you mentioned you had eight people in the crowd and they bought $500 worth of merch. How can they do that for you here, here and now? Oh, you can buy from my website. <laughs> buy from my website. And um, I was going to say too, because you you always do have to draw a 
for people who haven't heard you before, you do have to give a comparison. And it's hard with a female front because there hasn't been it. There's not a great deal of, you know, like put it this way. We've got a lot more scope that we, which is awesome that we can cover. Um, but I say Evanescence meets nothing more, or if you don't know who nothing more is, um, 12 foot ninja. So it's somewhere in between there, and that's why it is quite different. It's it's got you know it's in that realm of evanescence, but it's not like gothic operatic singing. Um, so that's why we say like a, a combination of those because it's got gent influence, guitars, the vocals are different. There's some screamy stuff in there. There's some rappy stuff in there. There's you know lots of mel- melodic stuff as well. Um, mm. But yeah, and then what were you saying? Sorry, the the last question. I've just got to remember what you said. Oh, just about how how people can support you financially. So if oh, they yeah. want to buy your stuff, how do they do that? Um, crystalignite.com. So join up, sign up um to my mailing list as well. Um, and you know you can follow me on social media. Hang on, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, yeah. So uh, Instagram. Um, Facebook, um, and I'm not really, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really do much on there. Um, yeah, so that would be basically where to go, but buy merch of of bands you want to support. And, you know, you could also buy crystals from me as well. I sell some on my website or I also have a business and that's how I fund what I do, um, is selling crystals and teaching people about healing. You know, it's interesting. My business was so successful. I haven't even had time to do a website. We've been doing it actually all <laughs> on lives on Facebook. I'm not shitting you. So it's crazy. Okay. Um, it just boomed. And it, I guess, yeah, it was incredible. I think I had a bit of good karma clocked up my sleeve. You know, a lot of people wronged me in the past and ripped me off and all kinds of stuff. And yeah, so it just, it did really well from the start. And um, yeah, I'm really, really blessed and it's done really well. It's done, it, it went amazing last year too. So I've been able to, that's why I've been able to do what I'm doing. But of course, you know, I'm self-funded. I fund everything myself on my own. Um, so any help, of course, you know, if you love what you, you know, you love the music, you want me to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, it makes it easier, of course. So buy a T-shirt um, or a crystal, whatever you'd like. I sell crystal skulls too, which are really nice for the rock crowd. Find the people who like rock love uh, crystal skulls. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do like a crystal skull. I tell you, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And look, as I say, I know you've got to go to the next one. So, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, I've got a few. <laughs> These Sturdy. are mine. Yeah, I'm surrounded in crystals here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got one, yeah, in 10 minutes. <laughs> so there you have it. That was Crystal Ignite. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in.